Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Don't Call Us, We'll Call You. My name is Christopher Bartlett-Walford, I am your host, and we are the podcast that takes you behind the closed doors of auditions and shows you what happens when things don't quite go to plan. That's right, we're talking audition disasters, nightmares, cringes, even some that went well. We don't have many get sent in that went well, otherwise we'd be about an eight-hour podcast But we want to prove to everyone listening that may or may not go through auditions that those little stresses, those anxieties and moments that we allow ourselves to overthink and cause problems to ourselves on pressure days, they don't matter. And it's okay for them to happen because they don't just happen to you, they happen to so many people. Each week, myself and a guest from the world of entertainment, theatre, comedy, television or film go through our listener submissions for the week. That's right, anonymous confessions of things that happened in auditions sent in by you, people who listen to the show, and we tell each other them and we laugh and we giggle. And like I said, we remind ourselves it's okay. And thank you so much for telling us what happened. We won't let you know who they were. We won't let you know what the jobs were unless they absolutely want to. So there's no fear of anyone giving away anything they don't want to. But we hope you're going to enjoy the show and listen and laugh along with us as we have it's a riot this week it's it's a really really fun show and on that note my guest this week is the wonderful Courtney Ward from the New Works Playhouse she's a wonderful actor uh, musical theatre performer she does loads she's she's awesome Uh, and she's part of the New Works Playhouse which is an incredible innovative online uh, collaboration experience uh, for playwrights and performers all across the globe so I'll tell you a little bit more at the end but for now let's get into this week's episode with Courtney And I start every episode with the same question to our guests, a nice level playing field, as it were. And that question is, what do auditions mean to you? Enjoy the show! So, it's kind of a love-hate relationship, because I felt like I've always hated them, I've always got ridiculously nervous, but then the second that I was actually in a contract and I was no longer auditioning, I was like, actually, I kind of, kind of miss that feeling. It's like this <laughs> horrible, like sick relationship you have with it, where you just think, actually, you know, it's it's okay. It to be honest, it entirely depends on the actual audition itself. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are some that, you know, the panel are amazing. There's other people there that you know are in the waiting room, or if it's a workshop, you know, that are a, a brilliant people, and you have a great time. And then there's other times it just it's painful. Um, so it really depends, which I think is what makes this so amazing because obviously we all know how vast audition experiences can be. Like they can be funny. They can be heartbreaking. They can be hilarious. Like it, it varies so much. That's why we started the show because everyone's, everyone's different and everyone, someone might answer that question with, I absolutely hate them. I brick it and I yeah. can't do the, you know, and, but at the same time you do miss it. You know, I've not been in yeah. an audition room for years now. Um, certainly as a, a you know, as a, a jobbing musical theater performer. Mm-hmm. And I, I went through a, a, a kind of weird thing. I used to be really okay with them and just be really calm. But at the end of, towards the end of going to audition for things, I used to get really nervous, like proper, like yeah. shaky nervous. And that never used to happen to me. It's a very odd thing. But then as I grow older or grew older, it was easy to start identifying other people in that situation who were nervous. And you could tell that they were maybe at the early, you know, maybe because they're age, but they were young and they were nervous. Certainly when it came to more uh, auditions for more like TV things, uh, maybe like a singing show that I was ended up being a judge on, there was still a, a screen test for it. And you could see mm-hmm. people going for it. And if they were going for the to audition for a, a contestant on that kind of show, they're terrified because they've never been in that situation before. And it's a similar thing yeah. to auditions. You 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 kind of get that weird relationship with them, which is either terrified of them or nervous. But actually, when you just go in and you just be yourself, it's okay. But you do miss yeah. it when you're in a long contract or, you know, you, you're you in a show for two or three years. You, you know, you might not yeah. audition in the same context. You might go for like a voiceover or an advert or something that you can fit in the middle. But you're not going to be going for a big production if you know you've got a years long yeah. contract. So, oh, yeah. you missed them. Oh, send postcards. Kind to the of. Directors. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of do. I don't know. Because I, yeah, I am one of those ridiculously nervous people. Um, but I feel like there's also, I mean, I think my last audition before 
lockdown happened was a workshop one. And I just had so much fun because I think because it was a workshop and everyone was just just being silly, like it was a lot of improv and just a lot of joking around. And I came out of it just being like, I, you know, the job I don't really care about. I was like, I just had this amazing time <laughs> and met some really cool people. And that's all you can kind of ask for, isn't it? I think if everyone approached auditions in that way, that would be so much easier. But it's mm. hard to get out of your head the fact that I'm going in to get this job right now and they are judging me. And if I get the job, I'm going <laughs> ah, to get yes. a job and I'm going to get paid and I'm going to get a credit or whatever. And if I'm not, then I'm going to go back to my normal job, you know, which you may or may not like. And it's it's a lot of pressure, but um, take everyone it, copes with it in Learning way. to take that pressure off yourself, I think, is half the battle because it is hard. Do you ever go into an audition that perhaps you you're not that keen on getting the job, like it's not something that you really feel that passionate about. And because you've taken that pressure off yourself of really wanting it, you end up doing way better because you don't put that pressure on yourself as much anymore. Because yeah. I feel like the auditions were, I know I've, either I know that I've messed up something or I know that I'm really, you know, unprepared. I found out like the night before or I know that maybe the job's not right for me. So I'm not worried about getting this job. I'm just worried about making a good impression. I feel like those ones I, I do better with, to be honest. It's hard because, as a, you know, from being the other side of the table as well for a little while, it, mm. well, quite a while, I wouldn't expect anyone who came into the room to not want the job that they're going for. And I think that yeah. has become a lot better over the last few years as well. I think if you're mm -hmm. going into the audition room, you should always want that job because actually... If, if you don't, then it is robbing someone else of that opportunity who really might yeah. desperately want it as well, which is always good to know. But at the same time, I, mm. I understand there's people who go for roles and shows and jobs and productions that actually the casting director might be a really kind of high target on their kind of career yeah, progression. Yeah, like that let's whole say. networking thing and yeah. you know, just making good impression. I don't I don't yeah. do very well with networking <laughs> there's so many things that I've been to you know whether working as a, a director or a producer or a performer or whatever and it's a networking thing and I just sit in the corner and drink wine I just sit <laughs> sit in the corner and they go where's the Prosecco go? oh it's me it's me again <laughs> and leave having not spoken to anyone and just enjoyed a lovely buffet <laughs> a success it's a day I, I think it's a great night <laughs> You had a great time. That's the main thing. Yeah, I haven't met anyone new, but I've had a lovely. <laughs> uh, I've had a free meal, so it's okay. Oh, I went with an agent. I went with an agent once to a showcase, and I was like, "This is great." I was like, "Free drinks and a buffet." I was like, oh, "Amazing." Yeah. I, I find going to showcases great because everyone's worked really hard, but there's such a small showing. You know, it can be ninety seconds mm. in an hour and a half showcase that someone's got to sh really show themselves off. Yeah. It's a very difficult thing. The drama college that I went to, I didn't have that kind of showcase. We had one-on-one -on -one agent auditions, which was really useful. Mm. And I know you had a similar thing with the college you went to. Yeah. But yeah. it's, I bet it's a, so it's a real benefit for that to happen. And more and more are doing that now, which is fantastic. But if back in my day, you used to just have a showcase at, at a lot of leading drama schools and, and theatre colleges mm. and stuff. And if you didn't get the piece that you wanted to get in the showcase, that was that was yeah. your route to agencies. You know, things like yeah. Instagram didn't exist then. Mm. That's showing my age, isn't it? But it, it's true. Like you, you it, <laughs> it didn't used to be a thing that you would upload a video to Facebook and it go viral. Is yeah, you know, people tagging the show that it's from or you know doing a monologue. Mm. Um, you know, obviously we're in lockdown at the moment and there's lots of people doing lots of things like that, which is fantastic. But you just, you know, 15 years ago, you wouldn't have had that. It yeah, just didn't, it wasn't didn't exist. So it was either you did well in your showcase and you maybe got interest from an agent or you didn't and you had to wait until you were in yeah. a show, which it was hard. So there was a there was a lot more pressure. But showcases I, I love because it's it's almost like a tasting menu. You go, yeah. in, you go in and kind of see, well, that's kind of what that college has on offer. But at the same time, I'll then look into people's spotlight stuff and I'll look into, you yeah. know, if, if they're looking for representation, it's much, I find it much better to then have a chat with them in person or on Zoom or whatever. No, I, I found going to the showcase and it was, there was a, um, it, it was like a, a second or third year show or something as well that I went mm. to. And I was, it's, it is amazing to see, you know, from, from that kind of perspective, because I, 
at that point I'd never seen it from like an agent's point of view so getting to sit next to an agent and literally have that program there in front of you and to be like you know watching people from that kind of perspective was really interesting yeah it's the kind of thing that I I say to any performer who asks what they can do to kind of learn the industry a bit more is and I've said this before on on the show I I wish that every performer would be part of an audition day panel at some point mm. in their career and also to go to a shake a showcase from an agent's perspective as well because mm. there's a lot you know there's a there can be a lot of performers who maybe see their agent sign someone new and go oh why are they signing that person but it's because every single person should be different and they might yeah. offer something that you don't but you offer 10 things that they don't as well so it's yeah it, it it's, it's reassuring and i remember going to see the first showcase while i was still performing and thinking exactly that going oh it's because everyone's different and that's it. And everyone yeah. responds to yeah. situations differently as well. So the first audition story that was submitted this week uh, that I'm going to read you uh, is actually <laughs> from a musical director. And it's it's a, a, a cautionary tale of what not to put on your CV. Oh, amazing. Yeah. You ready? <laughs> I'm so ready. <laughs> and the thing is, I know who these stories are from and I know who these stories are about and I can't tell anyone. Um, But yeah, so here we go. (laughs) So this comes in from a musical director uh, who is auditioning for a new musical. He says, I was on a panel as musical director with a leading West End director and choreographer for a new musical. Let's call her Sarah Jenkins. The next actor was preparing to come in. So we got his CV and details ready in front of us and looked through his credits. Lots of work and relatable work at that. But one particular one stood out. One of his credits said he'd been in a production directed by Sarah Jenkins, the person who I was sat next to, who, once again, was a really well-known professional. Not only name, but instantly recognisable facially as one of the most iconic and lovely professionals within the industry. She works you hard, but she gets the results and is really fun to be around. Sarah seemed surprised and leant over to me as he walked in and said, he's never been in any of my shows. In the actor came and started singing for us. Afterwards, we asked him a few questions and he did some scales, etc. It was clear he hadn't clocked that Sarah was the director or even was sat on the panel. I see you've worked with Sarah Jenkins, she said direct to the actor. Ah, yes, that was in a show that I was in a year or so ago. She was the director, the actor replied. Still none the wiser that he was talking to the very director that he claimed to have worked with. So what was she like? Sarah asked. Oh, all right, you know, I mean, she was a bit of a taskmaster. And he laughed. All the while, while talking about the director he hadn't worked with to the face of the very director he claimed to have worked with. (laughs) We at the panel just sat there open mouthed. Sarah thanked him and he left the audition. So lesson to learn. Don't lie about who you've worked with because chances are you'll meet that person in an audition room one day soon. (laughs) amazing oh Oh. my god i wonder if they know that now though do you know what i mean like i wonder if that actor knows like realized after they came out completely oblivious surely completely oblivious if you if you're sat there singing to the person and again this is a with this person who i'll keep anonymous a big person you would you would know exactly what who they are by seeing their face (laughs) well goodness me and that's Ooh. such a bad thing to do. That's really bad form from a performer to lie on your CV yeah. and say someone, you. everyone knows who this person is. <laughs> if you're going to lie about something, make it so that no one can trace it. Not go, oh, just yeah. send an email to that person. Did you work with this person on X show? No. Or oh, they say you did. Goodness <laughs> me. I, I did have something similar to that. There was someone who claimed that they'd got a job that I'd once cast. And they didn't get the job that I once cast. And then they came into it and I was on the panel. I wasn't casting this show, but I'd been invited onto the panel to kind of mm. be in the room. And, and they did that. And I said, oh, did you do this job? And then they looked at me and they were like, oh, well, um, uh, well, oh, no, I was like, oh. I didn't. That's so yeah. awkward. But I'm by no means recognisable like this person was. <laughs> oh, goodness <laughs> me. Don't lie on your CV, folks. No. There's a, a there's, so, there's so many horror stories about that, isn't there? Of people lying on CVs and why being, do you do it? I th- I think the worst one that 
well, the most horror stories that I've personally heard about this has been if they lie that they can like do gymnastics and can tumble and things like oh, that. Yeah. And then people will literally attempt it, even though they can't, and they will attempt it and then injure themselves in the audition room. Go through with the... Yeah. No, oh, they will just no, attempt no, no. a backflip. And it is it... <laughs> I actually got I got asked that in an audition once. Can you tumble? And I was like, well, I'm not going to lie because well, I can I'm fall on the floor. myself. <laughs> well, no, I responded with, no, but I can be lifted very well. Oh, that's a good answer, Courtney. I was like, no, you can pick me up and throw me around and I'm good with heights. So I was like, I, can you... I can't tumble, but you can throw me and I'll be great. Well, after a few gin and tonics, I can definitely tumble something. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness me. I don't... I don't think I, I don't think I could lie on my CV. I just because no, of that very I'd thing. I'd be too scared. The anxiety yeah, of sure. not being able to deliver on that lie. Certainly yeah. in the skills section. There's so during my career, I was part of a, a very well-known uh, comedy show called News Review, uh, which is the world's longest-running comedy show. It's a, a one-hour sketch show at the wonderful Canal Cafe Theatre in, in London. Now, I know we don't normally mention names of productions on the show, but it's it's a really well-known show, so it's fine. Yeah. And it's it's well-known for having a really intense, but very, very purposefully intense audition. Because during mm. the week, you literally write, that you can be writing the show and, and directing the show up to five minutes before the curtain up. And that's happened to me while I was in it. So it's, yeah. you need to be really on your feet. So to test that, the directors and the producers have your CV in front of you and every single accent on your CV, because you have to play a wide range of characters from Americans to Germans to, to Brits, whatever, politicians yeah. and celebrities, they go through it and they give you a list of, uh, or, or, you know, this was a, a fair few years ago, they gave you a list of uh, a script or a dialogue or something and they literally, halfway through each sentence, change your accent and you have to deliver on it and you've got about a minute to Amazing. do it. It's the hardest audition, but it's such a yeah. wonderful thing. Even if you don't get the role... It's yeah. such an amazing audition to do because it's it really tests you. So imagine, just imagine if you'd gone into that and you'd listed like 10 accents that you just couldn't do to make it look yeah. like you were good at accents. Oh, yeah. my goodness. You, you because just that situation, that situation as well of being asked to change them so rapidly, that is hard in itself. Even yeah. if you can do those accents, that is hard to be able to switch, especially if you're reading dialogue that you don't recognise as well and you're just mm. kind of going with it that's that's tough in itself so to not even do the accent in the first place yes yeah. like, to me just seems like <laughs> such an impossible task you know or it's saying but, okay you need to sing this song and we're going to throw celebrity impressions throughout it so one was gary barlow or something or you know one one might so have been cool. boris johnson or well at the time who knew what that was going to happen anyway yeah <laughs> <laughs> so how about you courtney what have you experienced in your audition life is there any, any auditions that stick out of making you fall into the cringe bin? I think, I mean, now that I mentioned mentioned before about that workshop audition that I did, it was great and I loved it and we had the best time. It was just loads of improv and just being stupid. But there was one point where, um, the typical thing, um, I had to improvise as a dog. <laughs> of course. So I'm like crawling around the floor. I mean, standard. Um, so I'm like crawling around on the floor and I end up cutting my hand on the floor. I basically, oh, must have, I don't know. No. So I cut my hand and just start bleeding everywhere. But I'm in full flow. Like I'm doing an audition. So I kind of just wait until this uh, this section's over. And then I'm like, um, do you mind if I just go to the bathroom and just um, wash my hand quickly, please? Because I'm, I'm kind of bleeding. <laughs> Um, oh, so no. got that sorted and and I think I had to go out one more time to like go and wash it again because I think I knocked it again and it was oh I was improvising with someone else and I think they like grabbed my arm not realizing that oh no wait it wasn't that it was we had to like clap for like an exercise it was like a timing sort of thing so we had to do loads of clapping and obviously that then triggered it again to start bleeding again um <laughs> but yeah and I the thing is I came out of that audition and I was just like the life of an actor I mean <laughs> I was pretending to be a dog and I got injured like I mean brilliant this is our life um, oh goodness me so that one always sticks in my brain as just being a you really bled all over the floor because <laughs> I bled all over the floor it's funny because that's not even like the only time that's happened I feel like I've also injured myself in other like middle of shows like rehearsals and yeah yeah I had a rehearsal that was I think it was like the last Actually, this was in college. It was my last rehearsal 
um, kind of in the studio before we were to go into the theatre and start doing tech and stuff. And so I think it was six days until the show. And I kind of, I was doing a lift and I didn't get dropped, but it was kind of like I wasn't being supported as I went down. And it just so happened that that was the time my foot was not in the right position. So I sprained no. my ankle. Oh, so I no. sprained my ankle like six days before the show. And I actually, this was, um, this was basically the first show that agents could come to watch and could actually sign us. This was like the first opportunity that oh, we, we so could like be signed. So like we were saying, the pressure is on at that point as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. So it was the first time that, you know, if, if there was interest, we could actually go and have meetings with agents and, and do that sort of thing. So I was like, great, it's six days away and I've just sprained my ankle. So, um, you know, just took care of myself and I did all of tech and dress wearing like an ankle support and then literally just took off the support on opening night. <laughs> and in, I mean, it in was a like, massive flourish it's... and you went, ta-da, pyros. And... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> literally waiting in the wings during the overture and I just like fling it off. On a like, key change, I hope. It was it was like a cabaret opening, I think, as well. So I was Kick like, <laughs> "Oh God, yeah, ready to go out and just like wearing like the least clothes possible, all being like really grotesque and yeah, what a way to start a show." So even even though auditions can go wrong, I think that's something we've learned through doing this show is that it doesn't matter if you don't get the job and it goes wrong, you can still get the job. Things still go oh, wrong. Yeah. On Always. There was a time where I was casting something and somebody came in and decided that they, and we were casting in a gym, uh, just because a big open space and good light and good acoustics and everything. But in the back of the gym, there was a, um, punch bags, just, you know, mm. a good, good, like 12 meters away. It's a huge, big square thing on the floor was like those kind of judo mats, you know, like the big puzzle piece mats. Like yeah. kind of two inch thick, mm -hmm. big, heavy duty foam stuff. So yeah. shoes, shoes off at the door. Great. This actor came in and just just went straight for the punch bags, but started punching them. So I don't know why, but started punching them so hard that he sliced his knuckles open. Oh, no. And he didn't know either. This is a very bloody story today so far, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> today, today's the injury episode. <laughs> um, he sliced his knuckles so hard that when he started singing... My colleague, John, and I, he tapped me on the shoulder and just went, look on the floor. And he started dripping blood. And this blood no. was pooling on the floor that we'd been told so importantly to make sure it was kept hygienic and disinfected afterwards. So I had to get my hands and knees after this audition to oh. just clean up this person's blood because he had no idea. I mean, we told him afterwards because he needed to go and get stitches. But yeah. Oh, dear Oh, my me. God, that's crazy. I don't was even... it, why did he do that? To, oh, to rev himself up? Or? See, I... <laughs> Because no, but seriously, I have I have a similar story to that. But it was when I was auditioning for drama school. I was auditioning for it was literally one of the top drama schools, and it was the time where we got to do monologues. And it was this had to be a Shakespearean monologue. A monologue from Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I can't even remember what it was. I just remember this was like the Shakespeare section of the day. So we're all kind of like sat down watching each other, and obviously we have the panel. And this guy obviously just wanted to like energize himself I guess because obviously you're sat down watching other people like you can lose a lot of energy doing that so to psych himself up before his monologue they were like great just start whenever you're ready and you know most people kind of just take a couple of seconds take a breath and just start he started running between the two walls in the room kind of slamming his body <laughs> into each wall <laughs> and was like he was like running and then would get to one side and then he'd like push himself off to run to the other side, push himself off. And he was kind of like ricocheting across <laughs> this room, increasing the speed and intensity. And then eventually just went into this really like intense so, Shakespearean um... speech. And everyone was just a bit like, um, you okay? <laughs> so basically to get himself into this character, he did a bleep test. Yeah, no, that was literally <laughs> it. That was per like perfect description. That was literally it. It was a it was a bleep test. Hey, I'm That's impressed exactly that I know did. what a bleep test was. And looking at the shape of these, so <laughs> God, throwbacks. Can you remember I, those? Uh, that was like I won torture. I say won. It was a competition, but I once got the, the <laughs> highest mark in my bleep test in in like no 40, 40 boys that were in the year, and no, and I wasn't fit or anything, but I did badminton, so I did lots of like short distance kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely collapsed at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I was like that though. I mean, 
health and fitness has come on a lot in the industry over the last um yeah kind of 10 or so years and i know you're a very healthy person very fit person but i i try to be <laughs> i wasn't I, I i just never did i don't think i ever took that part of my body and my career seriously i just remember doing a couple of dance auditions when i was you know when i was auditioning and i just just couldn't keep up yeah but because i wasn't a dancer I don't think that I necessarily connected the fact that I could have changed that. I could have changed, even if it was just a bit of cardio. I, I mean, I, I walk 40, 50 miles a week now, but it's, mm. it's, it, that's because you have a bit, I have a baby and <laughs> you push your baby yeah. everywhere. <laughs> you <go> everywhere. <laughs> Only at the moment in a pandemic is a bit difficult, but you know, yeah. it's, I, I, I always recall being the one on the corner, like hands on my thighs kind of go, <laughs> just dying yeah. after doing pirouette after pirouette or corner routines and jumps and stuff hey boy yeah. I learned a lesson yeah. after that <laughs> honestly I, I think the first ever professional audition I did the weirdest thing it was I was auditioning for like a 12 year old girl but this dance routine was like full-on like sexy sassy like uh, I was just oh, like dear. why this is so weird it's so weird um, it's spring awakening because that's the only <laughs> no. that's the only age appropriate no. kind of show no. about that no. stuff, really, isn't it? No, I wish it was, but oh, no. I was auditioning for like this twelve-year-old girl, and it was like a really sexy routine. So first of all, I was like, "This is so weird." But um, yeah, and I remember getting to the end of it, and I th I think I literally put my hand over my mouth because I was going to gag, like it was that, and it wasn't like I was really unfit because this was literally just as I was. I may have even still been at college, and obviously. I feel like everyone's more at their physical peak when they're at college because you're constantly doing hours of dance classes every day mm. and body conditioning stuff. And, you know, the second you leave and you start thinking, oh, I need to go and work and pay bills and audition, do all that kind of stuff. Those sorts of things take a bit of a backseat sometimes. Mm. So so. Hard, it, it's hard to find that balance. And certainly in the first couple of yeah. years of your career when you, you kind of... and I, Figuring one, out. One would hope now, certainly after this whole lockdown thing is that the industry is going to maybe acknowledge things that they didn't before when it comes to like actually if you're just graduating people mm. should help you a lot more because we've all yeah. been there yeah you know I'm it's the kind of thing that I wish there'd been more people that were a bit more conversational about how it all actually works you know after yeah. you grad for the first couple of years after you graduate like it is hard and if you're lucky you'll get a job within a year or so but if you don't it's not the end of the world yeah but, you know it's fine and actually if auditions go wrong that's the whole point of our show if they go wrong yeah or you you balls it up a bit it doesn't matter it doesn't no matter. it really doesn't it's it's just one day of your life it's fine you might not get that yeah. job you might get that job we heard from josh mm -hmm. you know things he he wasn't sure what he'd done had gone down really well he ended up getting an audition straight from it and then got the job yeah. from that so you know it's it, you know it's it's yeah. a really interesting kind of yeah. cog in the wheel isn't it a cog in the wheel is that a phrase i don't know i'm, <laughs> I'm a tired new dad who knows <laughs> <laughs> so i've got another story for you Ooh. and it's another <laughs> brace yourself because this one actually reaches hospital <laughs> so oh, amazing. this is from an actress who was um auditioning for uh, a classic musical mm-hmm so I was auditioning for a fringe production of a classic musical in a theatre in East London. It was the recall stage and it was the dance call. Now the routine was going really well. I was feeling confident and loving life. There were a series of counts in the middle, I think maybe about eight, of heel clicks to either side alternating. I'd done the routine three or four times through, but must have started in a row quite near the back. So as I got to the final round, there I am at the front, just off centre right. I'm giving it so many beans and I miss the landing of the last heel click and catch the outside edge of the right heel on my New Yorkers and go over on my ankle at full landing from a heel kick force. Yeah, ow. Yeah, ow, indeed. I was in so much pain but didn't want to be in the way of everyone else so I just threw myself towards the wall that was pretty much in front of me. I then spent the next hour as they finished the call with my leg elevated, absolutely devastated and totally mortified. I'd been given so many positive vibes to myself that I just felt horrendous. At the end of the time of the call, I still couldn't put weight on my foot 
and I was still in agony, so, along with the casting director, we decided I should go to A&E. Now, getting down the very skinny, winding staircase of the venue was a whole new challenge. I lived at completely the other side of London, so I had to take a taxi from East London to South West London to the hospital near to where I lived so that I could even get home. A friend who'd been at drama school at the same time as me, but wasn't in my year, offered to come with me all the way, and then my housemate met me at A&E. I'd been wearing compression dance tights, and when I took them off at the hospital, my ankle just blew up in size, and the bruising was so disgusting, it even went black when I took them off. I had x-rays. Luckily it wasn't broken, although the doctor, who actually used to dance themselves, said it would have been better if I had broken my ankle, as it probably would have healed quicker overall brilliant <laughs> i spent the next two weeks on crutches in a shared house bum shuffling up the stairs our shower was actually up a 15 centimeter lip so i couldn't even get in the shower without my housemate lifting me in i got a call from the choreographer soon after to check that i was okay and the director messaged me saying how it was the absolute definition of going for gold <laughs> and then because of course it doesn't end there i get called in to see casting directors i'd never been in front of whilst I'm only just about to be coming off the crutches and re-strengthening the ankle with physio. I had a singing round, and I got recalled, and it was the dance call next. Split leaps onto one leg, quick salsa footwork and pirouettes. Absolutely mortifying. Safe to say I didn't get either job. Now, luckily, they did know that I was just coming off the crutches and had had physio, etc., and so probably wouldn't be able to dance, but still, I felt absolutely terrible. It took another six weeks for the, for the ankle to recover to a point where I could begin to dance and run again. And I'm now forever stuck with a right foot that is in a slight turnout. Oh, goodness That's so me. so tough, isn't it? As someone who's gone over on their ankle many, many, many times in life through yeah. sports and stuff, that must have absolutely killed her. Yeah. Oh. That's so tough. Good luck at your because audition. Because it happens so fast. Break a leg. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it does happen so fast. But yeah. just imagining her going through that dance call, doing a heel click landing and just leaping to the wall in itself is quite funny. But then realising that the next two months of your life, yeah. you can't even get in the shower properly. Oh, and the poor choreographer That's and so director sad. must have felt so guilty as well. Yeah, it's nice that they got in touch with her though to check how she was doing. Oh my but... goodness, I would have sent her flowers, I would have sent her a bottle of wine, which maybe would have helped with the yeah. pain, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, to the person who emailed that in, thank you for sharing that with us, but my goodness me, that's, oh. Yeah. It's one of those ones that just sends shivers down your spine, because if, if you're in a, a you know a, a fringe venue that's above a pub, that the stairs aren't mm. modern stairs. They're old rickety no. stairs and they're quite steep a lot of the time as well at certain venues in London. So just getting up and down on that, especially if you're really cautious about doing it straight after as well. And having yeah. to get a cab all the way across London to not even get the job. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, that's a nightmare. What was the story that you were telling me about your Disney audition? So oh, the thing is, what I told you like wasn't even the half of this okay. story. Okay. It's it's a whole thing. Buckle so, in. I'm ready. Oh God. So I was I was gonna go to this call for Disney. I think we can say Disney because Disney's fine. they're Disney's so fine. big. They have a million shows everywhere. You you can't specify which show or role it, it specifically was for. Um so yeah, but I was I was kind of excited. I'd been sent some material a week in advance and it was for a character that I wouldn't expect that I would be seen for. Um, it, it like wasn't necessarily one of the iconic Disney characters. It was something else that, you know, happened to be featured within a, a show or a park or whatever. Um, and I was like, that, that's really unusual. Like I would have thought if I was going for Disney, it would, it would be for a very niche kind of, you know, knowing your casting. I was like, okay, I'm probably going to get seen for these people and that's it yeah so i thought it's a bit I, weird i would um, imagine i'd only get seen for olaf or the carpet <laughs> of aladdin <laughs> <laughs> i feel like everyone just knows do you know what I'm i mean no, so I i'm kind no of prince got this... charming you know <laughs> <laughs> so i got this material sent to me and i was like this is like unusual but i was like okay like i've got a week to learn it um and it was it wasn't a patter song, but it, it was quite wordy. So I was a little bit 
stressed in terms of like getting it in my head. Um, but you know, I learned it. So I, I show up to this audition. Um, yeah, so I show up to this audition and I'm there sort of like 15, 20 minutes early. So it's great. So I'm just in the waiting room, just having a look at this music. I've like got it playing in my ears just to keep it in my head. And this character was like a little bit more kind of sassy. So, you know, you kind of dress to suggest the character as well. Like in an audition, you'll maybe dress in a similar color or like a similar sort of style. Yeah. That's that's not a costume, but something that's like a hint of it. Yeah. So, so I, I looked at the colors of this character's costumes and it was like a red and black or whatever. So I, I had this kind of red skirt that was... It was kind of like a maroon sort of leather skirt and it was like a black top that was tucked in. So it was a little bit more kind of sassy. It wasn't like a Disney princess kind of vibe or anything. Um, so I rang that and I'm sat down just looking at this material before I go in. And I noticed that all of the other girls that are around me have their own songs out. Like none of them are singing, you know, Disney material or anything. They're just, they have their own reps with them. Um and they're all dressed in like these stunning floral dresses that are very princessy. And I just kind of had this feeling of, I wonder if they've sent me the wrong material hmm. and <laughs> I'm, I'm, I shouldn't be here right now. So I go in and they're kind of like trying to push people through at quite a speed. So I only have this kind of short period of time to go in and do what I've got to do. So they say, what have you brought for us? And I said, well, I actually got sent this material to learn. And they were like, oh, no, that's not for you. I was like, oh, okay. No. Um, I was like, okay, great. Well, I was like, I, I have my rep folder here, so I can either do the material anyway or we can pick something new. And they were like, yeah, just pick something new. Like, just pick anything. We'll literally just hear 32 bars or whatever. We just want to hear your voice. So I was like, great, okay. I literally just picked up the first thing. And I was like, this was like a patter song as well. It was, it was quite a long patter song. So I said, do you want to pick a section from it? So I go over to the pianist and he's like, great, can we do this section here? And it was right in the middle of this really wordy section. And I was like, oh, you know, when you don't know if your brain's going to hack it going from a certain place, like if you go from the start, your brain can kind of just take over and muscle memory, you'll just do the whole thing. Oh, with patter songs, especially. Starting, it's, yeah, you it go was like right and you in finish. the middle. Hard it was to like pick halfway through a bridge or something. It oh, was no. the most random place. But I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I kind of do it and it, it comes out and I'm thinking, great. Like the words are coming out. This is fine. Like I don't feel stressed. I'd done the song a million times. So I was you know, comfortable with it. And then as the words are coming out kind of uh, with muscle memory, I then realized the section that they've chosen is the section where my character's talking about going into prostitution and <laughs> drinking so much coffee that they get diarrhea and <laughs> swearing and i was like this is not a disney princess song i was like why did i think this that's the dvd I extras have, i know i was like i have disney like everyone has a disney song in their rep i was like why didn't i pick up the disney song why like it makes no sense and i was just seeing this stuff but i was like talking about being a prostitute and oh, having diarrhea dear. and just swearing. And I was like, great, amazing. <laughs> so I get, to, I get to the end of that and she's like, okay, uh, here's the recall stuff. Can you come tomorrow? So I was like, great, I've got a recall, like amazing. And now it's actually, I know what character I'm I'm coming for. And that's Was it completely great. different to the one they sent you? Oh, completely different. <laughs> I so I, so I got this material and I, and I, because obviously Disney is iconic, I, I knew this material already. So I was like, great, I'll just, you know, practice it, but at least I know the lyrics and all that sort of stuff. So I come in the next day and um, I'm, I'm, you know, I've walked from my house to the tube station and I'm just waiting on the platform and I'm realizing that I'm standing there for quite a long time and no trains are coming. So then I find out because there's an announcement that basically someone had jumped on the track further oh, up. Oh no. So they were suspending all of the trains. So obviously I was like, what do I do? But I was like, okay, well I've left early. So I, I have some leeway here to make it. Um, so eventually trains start running, but they're very delayed. So I do all of that. 
it just happened that like every single train that I got to, it was always like a red light or we had to stop here or there was an emergency here and it just kept getting worse and worse. Yeah, it just got progressively worse. And I was like, I'm not going to make it on time. So at this point, I, um, I call my agent and I'm like, I will not get there on time. I'm on my way. Like I will be late, but it will literally be like five minutes or so. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be ridiculously late. I'm not going to miss it. But if you could warn them, that would be great. So they were like, amazing. You know, we'll give them a call. We'll let them know. And then I get a call back from them basically saying, so they've, they've said to us that because they're casting everyone in groups of character, if you miss this character slot, they won't see you because oh, you're no. only being you're being considered for this one person. So if you miss this this half an hour time slot, you will not be considered. But I was like, obviously, I'll get there within that half an hour. It's fine. So I eventually get to this place. I've run from the tube station to the studio, and as always, right at the top of the building, up you know four or five flights of stairs. Mm-hmm. So I know that the the room that they're auditioning is like the penultimate kind of floor, but you sign in on the top floor. So I run past the audition room as I go up to sign in and I see the audition and I can see that there's the panel sat there and they've made everyone stand in a semicircle and they're having to sing this material in front of each other, literally stand in the middle of the semicircle and sing this stuff. And I was like, oh, that's even more pressure because I'm oh, like no. sweating and out of breath and you know, just not feeling put together at all. So I go up and the woman who was like the runner for the day was so lovely. So like, if she can figure that, if she's listening and she figures this out, just know that I really appreciate it. <laughs> because literally she was like, you're absolutely fine. Don't worry. Like, we'll get you in. She was like, just take some deep breaths. But just like, you know, I will have to take you in in 15 seconds. I was like, okay, great. So I, I walk into the audition room. She kind of like ushers me in. And I walk in and literally everyone kind of just like turns and looks at me. And the woman on the panel is like, um, so did you learn the material? I was like, yep, I know it. She was like, great, go. And they give me like a bars intro. And I literally run into the middle of the semicircle and just go straight into like oh, full on Disney princess. That's a very Disney princess way to arrive into and, the room, that. Oh, yeah. I was, I just went straight in and they were like, do you know it? Yes, great, go. And I just went in and I'm just there like, trying to control my breath at this point just like trying to get out this beautiful like floaty lyric that I was just oh yeah so I did that and then it was brutal like we were all kind of stood in this semicircle and she's there like shuffling headshots and then she's like you can go you can go you can go you can go group of people went out and then I think we had to sing the same um, material again because it was only like a little section it was only like a verse or so um and then I think actually only me and one other girl got through that into like the final bit, which was, you know, like the dance and stuff afterwards. So it was really brutal. So I was like, oh my God, I've actually got through this despite the fact this has been a nightmare. So I get through all the dance and it's gone really well. And this is literally the point of, of you know, Disney finals where if, if people have auditioned for Disney before, you kind of know that Obviously, they they have so many shows and so many parks that mm. they will have like a list of people that they like, but it depends on what availabilities they have before they can. It's a very place fluid process, if, isn't it? Yeah. So, literally, you know, we get to this end of the process, and by this point, like we've been photographed, we've been measured for costumes, mm-hmm. like we've we've literally gone through this whole thing, you know, filled in all the d- details that you could possibly imagine. And we say, you know, do you know when we'll find out? Um, and they were like, yeah, probably in like three to four months. And everyone's like, oh. okay. So it's just this waiting game. And yeah, they, they never called me. So oh. I was gutted. Well, was if it was gutted. two months ago, there's still time. So. <laughs> well, no, but this is the second part of the story. I, I went in to audition for exactly the same thing again, three months after. No. They, they do auditions regularly. Yeah. So I went in. Same audition building, same casting director, same everything. I sang 32 bars and I was cut. Oh. So I was like, how did I get to Did you say, I, I, could, I could be late on a train again? <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was like luck. I don't know. Maybe maybe just me running late is lucky. Who knows? 
they're a great team just, to audition for and they're you know that at least they completely understood yeah. there's there's other teams oh, that would have yeah. just said don't bother coming so at least they gave you that yeah, opportunity absolutely. to still get there oh courtney that's it's one of those things isn't it when you get you know for whatever reason whether it's you know a tragic reason like that or it's you know trains break down or something yeah absolutely. there's nothing you can do about that you've left plenty of time to get there if transport is against you sometimes that happens i once yeah i once I mean, I used to live... So when I graduated college, I pretty much went straight on tour for a year. So I left mm. my house in London because I didn't need it because I wasn't going to be in London. At the yeah. end of it, moved back to Wales and just commuted whenever I had a, you know, an audition up in London. I'd get the... the oh, what bus was it? It's the 201, I think it was. The National Express. It was the National Express from Cardiff. Mm. And I either used to get it to Heathrow and get the tube in or I'd get it to Victoria. Uh, it was three and a half hours. I could fall asleep and wake up as I got to Hammersmith and I'd be ready to get off and jump on a tube. Anyway, yeah. it took took two hours, 55 minutes or three hours, five minutes, depending on which, which bus you got. Anyway, I got a call for um, a production of The Sound of Music. Um, I think it might have been the one at the Palladium. Lovely, lovely people. Lovely show to audition for. It was great. Everything about the audition was great. Apart from the fact that my bus went from taking three and a half hours to taking six and a half hours. No. And that's I got, not even just a little bit late. I, no, but I'd left yeah. enough time that I could go and have a coffee and, and see a friend before, get mm -hmm. there, warm up, everything. Running, sweating across London from Victoria to oh. Covent Garden. And, and it, I luckily I got there five minutes after I was meant to and, and they were lovely. They were really lovely. Mm. But how yeah. on earth can you stop yourself from being late when there's yeah. three you know you you leave three hours either side i mean i used to live yeah. in, used to live in south southwest london i was still late to central sometimes even when i'd leave yeah. an extra hour and a half to get there so it's hard <laughs> sometimes traffic can be against you but at least they were a wonderful panel and still said as long as you get yeah. here in that time oh and you're good. so appreciative aren't you when you when you show up in that kind of circumstance and they're amazing it's just such a relief isn't it yeah. you know when you show up and you think what if they're really like cold with me now because i'm five minutes late shall we lead into the final oh, no. submitted story of the week because yeah. <laughs> this is this is great now every now and again uh, we get stories and, and tales submitted to us here at don't call us uh that are everything seems to be against you and this is, I think, one of those. So this is from an actor who uh, was going into audition for a bit of a kind of jazzy show. Mm. And he's titled this The Peculiar Case of the Imaginary Sleeping Dog. Which in itself sounds like a show. I quite I'm like. already so yeah. interested. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so he starts. First of all, I had to be up at seven o'clock in the morning, which is never easy, especially when you finish work the night before at 11 o'clock. But that's a given with auditions. They're usually in the morning and we as actors are usually very tired for them, but we love it. So we still do it. Now, the journey to and from the audition was 11 pounds. Now, that's quite expensive when you only have about 23 pounds in your bank account to last until the next payday. It was £11 because I was because uh, it was outside of London, which is annoyingly the norm for a quote London audition. When I got to the location, I noticed after about 15 minutes or so of wandering around that they'd sent me to the wrong address. So I was trekking about this area for 15 minutes until I had to call my agent to find out where on earth they meant to send me. <laughs> after a lot of searching on Google Maps and a lot of wandering around, we found out it was on the other end of the road. So not number one Flower Street, say. It was something like number 56 Flower Street. Time to run. When I got there two minutes late, because I did in fact run, they were half an hour behind anyway. So I waited half an hour in a corridor patiently with no one apologising for the delay and no one to welcome me or any of the other auditionees that arrived. You just had to assume that you were at the right place. So as I waited, the runner popped her head out, smiled at me and said, Wesley? I corrected her and told her my name. She accepted this correction and popped back into the room. Ten minutes went by and she popped her head out again, looked at me dead in the eye and said, Wesley? <laughs> I, thinking this was a weird joke, say, said my name again with a smile and an awkward laugh. Who? She said. I then realised it wasn't a joke. And I again 
told her my name and the agency that represented me, just in case the name she was asking for was my agent. She replied with, all right, we'll just be one minute. Another 15 minutes passed and eventually I was called into the room by my correct name and introduced to the auditioning panel as Wesley. Who the hell is Wesley? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think these people knew who was auditioning for them. I politely corrected her again with the same awkward chuckle as before and continued to walk into the room. Not one person on the panel introduced themselves. It was basically silent. They were staring at me. There were five people on the panel, so you'd think at least one person might have said hello or something. But sadly, that wasn't the case. So I knew I had to somehow break the ice. As I walked over to the table with my hand outstretched to shake hands and introduce myself, I realised no one else's hand on the auditioning panel was stretched out like mine. No one was going to shake my hand. No one wanted to have a formal greeting. They weren't interested in niceties or formalities, so... I awkwardly stepped back to my spot, cleared my throat and grunted and said, hello, with an underlying face palm tone in my voice. As I scoped the room awkwardly, to my surprise, to the left of me, I saw a dog asleep on the floor, a little Jack Russell. So I exclaimed, aw, puppy, looked back at the table to see if anyone had a response to my outburst of delight at the dog. And they all just stared aimlessly at me with an angered, quizzical look on their faces. Was the sleeping dog not actually there? Was it an imaginary puppy? Maybe they didn't even know that a random dog had snuck into the audition room with its own dog bed. So again, I cleared my throat and grunted awkwardly. A smiley man with red hair eventually decided to pipe up and ask me, what have you got for us today? I thought to myself, well, surely they'll want me to sing the two songs they've asked me to prepare, which was Night and Day and Stepping Out With My Baby which they only gave me the day before to prepare, so I did have to learn them, so I hoped I'd have to sing them. The sheet music they sent was really hard to read and, and didn't actually match the backing track that they'd also sent me. I should have got the hint then that this wasn't going to be an easy audition. <laughs> I replied with, I have the two songs you asked for me to prepare. What have you got on your rep? They interrupted. The larger old man with terrible hair in the middle cut me off mid-sentence. He also cut me off while not looking at me, he stayed staring at his laptop. I was guessing that manners weren't the forte of the room. In my head I was thinking, well why did they ask me to prepare songs if they weren't going to ask me to sing them? But on my face I still had that audition smile plastered across. Yes of course, I replied. I'll have my rep folder with me, uh, sorry, I have my rep folder with me today with my sheet music. I felt quite smug if I'm honest to be prepared. That feeling very quickly faded with the retort, well obviously we don't have a piano do we? Do you have songs with backing tracks on your phone? He asked. I replied, well, yes, of course, I, I have a choice of songs. Would you like to hear something more swingy to suit the show or more legit for my tone? I questioned back to his question. I think I answered his question with another question so that he would actually look up at me. I was feeling more and more annoyed at this because as he'd been asking all these questions, he still, of course, hadn't looked up from his laptop at all. He requested a swing number. Of course, he said. <laughs> He changed his attention to the clock on the wall, but then swiftly back to his laptop. All the while, no one else on the panel is making a sound. Maybe they were scared of him, I don't know. I found Fly Me to the Moon on my phone to sing and started walking over to the lovely curly-haired lady next to the speaker system so that she could plug it in. I noticed that she was humming the tune to On the Street Where You Live from the musical My Fair Lady. Obviously, this wouldn't be an issue or even something anyone would notice usually, but... When standing outside the audition room for half an hour, you hear the other auditionees singing to the panel. The guy who went in before me sang On the Street Where You Live from My Fair Lady. I was so thrown off by this random humming. Obviously this guy who had sung before me was on their minds. Who could blame them? He was really good. He smashed it, to be honest. But it's a bit rude to be humming that particular song in my audition. I don't know, maybe they'd already cast this guy, but it was a bit poor form, I thought. So, the now rude curly-haired lady plugged my phone into the speaker. She changed from lovely to rude just by humming the tune. <laughs> my opinion had well and truly changed. <laughs> as the intro to Fly Me to the Moon started up on the speaker, I felt confident. But as I got further into the song, I started to feel incredibly awkward. I didn't know what to do with my hands. I didn't know where to place my body weight. I didn't know where to look. My eyes darted around the room like I was performing to an arena, which just felt so inappropriate to such a chilled song. I'm never like this in auditions. 
Honestly, I'm usually in my element, but everything leading up to this and up to me singing had gone so awry that I just felt so uncomfortable in the room. Also, not to mention, now all five members of the audition panel were staring at their laptops and notes. Not one person was looking at me. I just wanted the ground to open up and swallow me whole. After about one minute of singing, the larger man in the middle with a bad hair stopped me. To be honest, I thought, thank God that's over. So I stopped singing, very awkwardly, I might add. The guy who stopped me sighed from behind his laptop. <sighs> Have you got anything else? I replied with, well, I've got Anthem from Chess to show a more legit tone to my... V yes, fine, that'll do. He cut me off, of course. Throughout this three-minute audition, so far my audition smile had slowly turned into a grimace, plastered across my face. I just can't be bothered at this point. I didn't have a response to his remark of, that'll do, so I just put the backing track on my phone and let the music play. I stood, ready to impress them. I just wanted to give them a metaphorical middle finger at this point. And to the bad hair cut poking up from behind the laptop in the middle. <laughs> I had sung this song a hundred times and, you know, it's one of my favourite songs to sing and I'm quite good at it. So as I started to sing, I felt really confident. To be honest, I was so immersed in the song that I didn't even notice or care that they still weren't looking up at me at this point. I was gearing up for the big money note towards the end of the song. I took the big deep breath that's required for such a note and suddenly the bad haircut in the middle put his hand in the air and the music stopped. I stood very still, awkwardly, with the breath still in my lungs, ready for that big note. They all asked up and down the table whether or not they wanted to hear anything else from me. And then the man in the middle poked his head up from behind his oh-so-interesting laptop and stared at me with a disinterested expression. I was very taken aback by the fact that he'd actually decided to take the, look, uh, take the time to finally look at me. <laughs> I finally let out all of the air that was stored in my lungs from the deep breath. He looked me up and down from head to toe and finally looked at me dead in the eyes and said with a tone of boredom, no, with a connecting sigh of exhaustion. Exhaustion, you would think, may explain the audition panel's lack of manners. I mean, if I was the 400th auditionee of the day, it's absolutely understandable that they'd be tired of people. But no, I was the fifth person that day. So with a resounding rejection from the head judge, I collected my phone from the curly-haired lady and with a smile somehow still on my face, I said, OK, thank you so much, guys. Have a great day of auditioning. OK, the bad haircut abruptly explained back to me, exclaimed back to me with another connecting sigh of boredom, a disgruntled look and a waving of the hand to almost waft me out of the room like I was a fart. I then turned around and walked towards the door and said, Goodbye, puppy, to the imaginary sleeping dog and swiftly left the room. Safe to say, I didn't get a recall. Oh, that was exhausting. That's painful. And all of that in four minutes or so. Oh. Wow. Oh, poor guy. To the person who that sent that brutal. in, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. Yeah. I mean, there's clearly lots of things to do in an audition. And I can speak from experience that you've got lots of forms flying around and CVs and stuff. Mm. And often, you know, certainly nowadays I might have it on an iPad or, or my laptop open to look through your CV or spotlight link. But at least you can do is look someone in the eye for goodness sake and yeah. be polite and stuff. You might well have another 50 people to get through, but every person deserves respect and time in that moment because you've prepared the same as everyone else. Yeah. Oh, Poor Especially guy. if you've been sent that stuff before as well and didn't even, you know, get the opportunity to sing the stuff that they'd literally asked him That's to prepare. It. That's it. Like, I completely that forgot about that before so the end of it. Well. That yeah. happens so much as well, doesn't it? What's but, the need like, of, of really preparing does. stuff if you're going to go, oh, I don't want to hear that. It's not like you've heard yeah. it loads of times by the fifth audition of the Monday morning. Oh, goodness me. Whoa, that feels That's stressful. What is the one thing that you would add to the audition experience, your audition addition. It could be serious, funny. What would you add to make the whole process that little bit more enjoyable? You know what? It's The thing is, I want to say something really dull and boring. But you can I be think dull and following, boring. Following from that previous story, I think it literally just is that, that moment when you first go into room, literally having a panel, make eye contact with you and obviously like not everyone is down for a handshake because if you're seeing lots of people well, not especially, anymore <laughs> obviously exactly like with stuff like this happening right now it's it's not a good idea and I get that but 
you know, literally just to make eye contact with people and just to genuinely smile makes such a difference. Like, to be polite. Such, yeah. And you would think that that would be a really, uh, you know, just a given. You'd feel like everyone would just do that because that's what you do. But um, you can understand why, you know, if, if a panel is seeing a lot of people and they're really tired and drained or, you know maybe something really bad has happened just before and you've had like loads of people cancel and it's really stressful. I, I understand all of that, but you know, the people that have shown up have shown up for you and they've prepared stuff for you and they're really nervous probably. So and a really nice warmth yeah. and politeness, almost like a yeah, filter. Just, you walk through the door, you might be having a really rubbish yeah. day, but everyone inside that room is the most polite and lovely person that they can be. Yeah, like even if it's just honest, even if they just say, look, we've we've had a really rough day, just don't, you know, if we look grumpy, don't worry, it's not you. <laughs> like, we're just stressed because <laughs> of exhausted. everything else has happened. Yeah, just a bit of transparency and just, you know, I, I like feel that. like it goes a long way. I feel like it really goes a long way. I like and I that. feel like the people will then deliver a much better audition. Absolutely. I you're more so. relaxed. You know where you stand. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, Courtney. Thank you for having me. I've had a lot of fun. <laughs> And there we go. That was this week's episode of Don't Call Us, We'll Call You with Courtney Ward. Apologies that the intro and outro is a little bit echoey. I'm, I'm actually downstairs. I'm out of my, my son's nursery recording studio. It's not his recording studio, but baby Robin is actually asleep upstairs today. So I've had to come downstairs into our living room, which is a little echoier than normal. So apologies for that. Oh, I hope you had a good time listening to that show today. Uh, we Courtney and I recorded it a little while ago in lockdown. Um, and I've been saving it up because uh, it's. It, I loved it. I, I just, that poor girl in going to A&E, I know who you are and I'm sending you such a big hug. I am so sorry that happened. A, a perfect example of one of those days where things just, just snowball out of control and it turns into absolute chaos. All from a little tiny injury. Well, it wasn't a tiny injury, was it? It was a big injury. <laughs> If you have got a story like this for us, if you've got something that happened to you during an audition or one of your mates has told you that story over and over again, get them to get in touch. Email us your stories. We're at don'tcalluspod at gmail.com. And this week, we would love it if you could shout us out on Twitter and tell some new people to get in touch with the show and listen to it. And most importantly of all, enjoy our show and laugh along as well. We make this just to give you that little bit of giggle. We're still in lockdown. Theatre is, is just about starting to come back, but in nowhere near the way that we knew it before. So we hope we're just going to give you a laugh and remind you that theatre is, is fun and auditions are fun and the industry is fun and if you're just a fan of tv comedy music whatever and you're listening to this and you've never been to an audition in your life we just hope we take your mind off things for a little bit that's all we're here to do now at the top of the show i told you about a brand new project that courtney is heavily heavily involved with and i want to tell you a little bit more about it now it's called the new works playhouse now they're a brand new organization and their aim is to connect performers and writers from all across the globe so that they can take part in rehearsed readings and stage performances online of brand new writing their aim is to give a platform to talented people regardless of their economic or social backgrounds and to open up new writing to a much, much wider audience. They're doing really good things. You can pay what you want for some of the stuff. You can buy tickets for some of the stuff. You can even just follow them online and see their work as well. And, and every one of their profits goes split between the teams as well. They do really good things with that kind of stuff. It's all nice and fair and they have such a wonderful mentality behind them of support, creativity and passion. So make sure you check them out at thenewworksplayhouse.org. If you're an actor or a writer, get involved. This is exactly the kind of organisation that we need in the industry to support new writing, new voices and get the right voices heard to the right people. It's fantastic and I'm really, really happy for Courtney and the team. They've had transatlantic shows during lockdown. They've had work that's been created from people in London working side by side with people that are based out in Japan. And that just shows exactly what you can do if you put your mind to it. That's the end of the show this week. Uh, I hope you had a good time with us. We'll be back next Friday for a brand new episode. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, or you enjoy any of the shows. Oh, by the way, if, you, if this is your first one, make sure you listen to the other 14 episodes that we've got out. Every single one is packed full of audition nightmares. It's so much fun. And we hope if you are missing auditions, 
This is taking the stress out of it a little bit for you as well. From myself, my co-producer, John Webb Carter, and our guest this week, Courtney Ward, we send a big thank you for listening. We hope you're staying safe. Wear your mask above your nose and mouth. Wash your hands. And remember, don't call us. We'll call you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.